Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast for July 8th, 2021. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a communications volunteer for NTEU Chapter 49. I'm also a retiree. So thanks for joining us again as we strive to be a weekly podcast. Even though we don't make it every single week, we certainly do try. Uh, my schedule and Duncan Giles, uh, we try to work around that as best we can. A reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to let others know about it. This podcast is available on most platforms where you find podcasts, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many others. Just search within those platforms using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. You'll find all the podcasts I produce. I produce some local uh, interview podcasts here where I live in Fishers, Indiana, and I produce some film review podcasts. So when you look at the listing, just look for the Chapter 49 podcast and you'll find these. So back from his weeks-long assignment on the NTEU bargaining team for the National Agreement, allow me to welcome back our Chapter 49 President, Duncan Giles. On a rainy day, I have to let you know what the well, what's going on outside since you don't have a window, but uh, does it feel different now to be working once again in your downtown Indianapolis office? It took me a few days to uh, to get back into the swing of it and get used to it, Larry. It, it certainly did, and I just hope we don't have another uh, weather alarm like we did the last podcast. Yeah, for those who maybe forgot or may have listened to the last one, uh, you were in D.C. with uh, Lori McCann, who was your partner uh, uh, on the bargaining team for the entire length of national bargaining, uh, and uh, you were talking, and all of a sudden a weather alert came out for a uh, – I think it was a flash flood warning or something, and it uh, you were using your phone to talk to me. I think it came through on your phone, so I luckily picked up on that. It's okay. It came through on my phone, everybody else's phone. It was it was fun. So hopefully we won't have a repeat of that. Well, you know we have had thunderstorms rolling through. They're not rolling at the moment where I live, but uh, it's a stormy day here in in central Indiana. So I guess we just had there's something about you and I doing a podcast and a stormy day wherever we are. I don't know what's What's going on? So I, I want to start off with the national agreement bargaining. We talked about, uh, you and Laurie and I talked about some of the provisions, and it will, in the very near future, the language will be uh, presented to the membership, and there will be uh, votes on, on confirming this uh, so that you'll be able to, each, each chapter will vote uh, on, on the agreement. So you'll, they'll, all of the, uh, uh, language will be out there plus summaries of the provisions. So I I don't want to dwell on that as much unless there's something you want to talk about, but I want to begin with this. This has been a, a months-long uh, process for you. You started this several months ago basically negotiating uh, using the Internet over video conferencing using the Zoom system. And... Um, that really didn't go well from what I heard. Once you were there in person, I'm not sure if it was just kind of a different focus for the management or if you, in fact, uh, felt uh, that the marketing was easier in person. So there was a definite uh, difference in the feedback I was getting from you from the Zoom days of marketing to the in-person days. So sort of take us through how this went. You you and Lori indicated you were very pleased with the outcome. I think, man... Uh, 
how should I put this? The, the people who are going to be work, who are working for IRS and the bargaining unit, uh, based on what, everything you said, are going to be very pleased with the outcome. But I would like just for this moment here, talk about the process, how it went, the ebb and flow of the bargaining. What you can just give us an inside look at how that went. Yeah, how the sausage is made in this particular entrance in, instance is uh, is interesting. We started out on Zoom uh, due to the pandemic and then continued on a little bit longer uh, on Zoom than I would have liked. And basically, we would meet for a week. The good thing with Zoom bargaining is you can put a document up on the screen where everybody can share it and take a look. And if there are any edits to a document you want to make or point out or something of that nature, it's pretty easy to do. The problem with Zoom, as I'm sure everybody knows, is it's it's tough to have give and take conversations a lot of times when there are numerous people on it. When it's a one-on-one, it's not a bad tool. When there are numerous people, as there are in this case, it's very difficult to get any sort of flow, any sort of give and take uh, going. It was almost like we'd present an article, they'd ask some qualifying questions, okay, then each team would meet by itself. Then they'd come back with their article, present it, we'd ask qualifying questions, and then we'd go off by ourselves. So it was, there was no real flow or continuity. Once we got together in uh, D.C., we had a week and a half of, um, the last week and a half of regular bargaining, and then we had two weeks of what's called mediation, where a uh, facilitator slash arbitrator was there to help us if needed. Uh, the flow seemed to be much, much better. Uh, there was a lot more give and take. Uh, there were clear understandings of uh, inferences of where people were coming from, where they needed to go. Um, one of the things that I would say quite often is, you know, I quote the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. And I absolutely think that um, in this contract, did we get everything that we wanted as employees? Absolutely not. You're never going to have that. But did we get what we need? I think we absolutely did. And uh, I think we came out uh, very well. I think management came out very happy with um, that got their needs met. Uh, But it's, you know, you were able to have more side conversations when you're in person. You're able to uh, talk a little bit more. Um, you know, subgroups are able to form, like uh, there were a lot of times when their spokesperson and the head of their team would meet with our head of the team, Jim Bailey, National Vice President Jim Bailey, and uh, Director of Negotiations Ken Moffat as our spokesperson. They would have those small meetings and then come back and talk to the larger groups of us to try and, okay, this is where they're coming from. Why they couldn't express that in front of everybody? No, I don't know. I mean, I I got to the point where I was saying, you know, I'm starting to get a complex because you guys always want to talk to Ken and Jim. You never want me in the meeting. At one point, they did say, well, yeah, you can come. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If I can come, why can't everybody else in our team here come? That's an interesting dynamic that that you describe that, uh, okay, we feel comfortable talking to your two leaders, but the rest of your team... uh, we'd rather not lay it out all for them. There, there's obviously a, 
there, how should I put it? A strategic bargaining reason for that, don't you think? I think there are, and I think there are some sensitivities that they may have not wanted to step on. I, they probably thought that they could be more brutally honest with um, with Jim and with Ken than they could with the entire team as a whole, uh, because it might upset some people um, who are looking at this on a personal level rather than a bargaining level, which can happen. Yeah, and I think that uh, from what you have told me, both parties seem to be satisfied. Now, I think it's important to know that when you're in bargaining, I, and I get a lot of employees, you know, when I was a chapter official, they just couldn't understand why we go into a negotiation and not give the employees everything they wanted. And I had to give them the brutal facts of life that you don't go into a negotiation getting everything that you want. And sometimes it takes several you know, bargaining uh, cycles to begin to get what you want. Uh, some uh, What really is necessary, the right thing to do, it just takes time and you keep pushing for the right thing and eventually it comes along. But the management uh, was very focused on the hiring process and, and they, the management does have a, a hiring process. And I guess you touched on this before, but I would like to, you to talk about it some more because uh, the management wants to hire a lot of people at one time. That's good news for all of us. There's nobody objecting to that. We want a good hiring system that works well for everyone, the new employees, current employees, and the management who's trying to go through this system to hire. So I guess the biggest issue is how well will current employees be able to compete for the openings that are coming up? I think the current employees will be able to do very well. Um, there are, and this was said at the table by the management team several times, there are going to be enough jobs for everybody that wants one that qualifies for one. Um, they are very optimistic that they're going to be able to uh, advertise the large number of hires that they want to do. And when I say large number, I'm not talking dozens. I'm talking a thousand at a time. That's the numbers that we were banding about during the negotiations. Um, and management, to their credit, does realize that they're going to absolutely have to beef up HCO because they do not, our human capital office, because they do not have near the number of people that they're going to need to, uh, even with this streamlined hiring process, to try and make this work. We tried to create an avenue where there was, you know, entry-level positions, which are positions that IRS employees are already in. Then we have what are called bridge positions that current employees will get uh, first consideration at. And those are the positions that go from, you know, like a CSR to an RO or into IT or, you know, from submission processing into a CSR or that, those types of roles, those entry-level jumping-off points. We wanted to make sure that we carved off a spot for that. Then we also wanted to make sure that when it comes to above-journey-level promotions, that there's not going to be that much change, especially if it's going to be uh, 10 or fewer positions announced, which is would be our expectation. Um, you know, management's main thing was... They wanted, you know, the, the complaint that they heard, which we totally hear ourselves and get, is that when somebody from the outside applies, 
it could be months before they hear anything. And that process has to be sped up. That's a necessity. It's going to be tough enough to recruit people, period, um, because of the job market out there, much less if it takes time. So um, we're hoping with the system that management has asked for that we made tweaks to, but uh, they're basically getting what they need to be able to speed that process up so we get folks uh, the word quicker and get them onboarded quicker. Because as you said, we all need the help. We need um, not just enforcement, not just people on the phones, but we need desperately need more people in human capital office. We need more people in support staff positions. We need more people in IT. Um, there's just a real need for support people as well as enforcement and on the phones or in task. So it's, it's going to have to be a massive all-skate type hire to make sure that we uh, hit our needs. I want to say one more thing about uh, hiring because I've been reading, and if you've been following our uh, Chapter 49 Facebook page, by the way, it's very easy to do that. Just get on Facebook and search uh, NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. Make sure you put that Indiana on the end. Uh, you can um, like or follow our Facebook page and receive on your news feed our updates. Uh, we've been updating people on some interesting information uh, in the federal employee press that uh, we, we follow that uh, there are many people outside of IRS and even inside, if you count the taxpayer advocate as an insider, basically are saying, IRS, you're not ready for this big hiring. I, I think we have to go back to the 80s to have a hiring anywhere near this big. And I don't think that one is as big as what is being contemplated now. So, uh, you've read all of, of this. You've read the Taxpayer Advocate uh, report on the IRS's ability or lack thereof to do a big hiring. Um, I think this is going to be uh, a difficult process. Do you think that if the management puts his it, it puts his head on? Uh, how should I put this? It just really concentrates on doing this. Do you think that we can get through this without too many glitches? I think they're going to be glitches. I think when you get to have a hiring that the size that they're contemplating, you can't help but have glitches, even in the most perfect of systems. Um, do I think that management understands the fact that they are not prepped and ready yet to do this? Yes, they do. Um, they, they very well realize that, know that they've got to make that first priority hiring is to get those people uh, in line and on board to be able to do those types of things. One of the last things that was um, basically decided on at the table with a verbal agreement was one of the things we wanted was, hey, if people are, are going to be teleworking and they're already teleworking, when we do have to come in, why bring them in to put them back out? Let's just go ahead and, you know, if they are going to be able to telework, let's let them telework. Management was amenable to that. Management then said, okay, if we're going to do that, can we go ahead and use this new hiring process before October 1st with these mass hires? And, you know, Jim Bailey, our, our, our team chair, looked up and down the, uh, our side of the conference table. And, you know, everybody is, you know, I was nodding in assent. Let them. 
Let them, you know, they're going to need all the help they can get. If this system will help them, let them. But will telework and, also? Uh, yeah. but, but will telework also uh, be impacted before October first? Uh, that will be our understanding. That okay. um, if folks are called back to the office, then the new telework opportunities will be presented, and they will be able to avail themselves. So they wouldn't have to. Somebody wouldn't have to come back, work five days. Let's say they have to come back in just after Labor Day, just picking a date out of the year. Because um, I'm hearing it's going to be possibly somewhere around that date, possibly a little bit later. That if you know if you're going to have three or four weeks of having to be there five days a week, but then you're going to have the opportunity to be there, you know, at work from home up to uh, eight days of pay period then why are you pulling them in just to say, okay, you can go back out? So our understanding is going to be that those folks will be able to start the uh, actual telework, not pandemic evacuation, but actual telework, the ones that are on the list uh, at that time. Which means you will be in the office two days every pay period under that system. And uh, that brings me to something else, if I can switch a little bit. We, as a as an agency, and really most employers, to be honest, uh, have been under a system of working at home most or all the time for well over a year now. When we start coming back to the office, and the you know the evacuation order is lifted or rescinded or or, or changed radically. Talk about what you think, just based on your experience. I know I have my own thoughts, and I think you and I are in agreement on this. Uh, we have come into a new normal of working at home all the time. We're going to have to spend at least some of our time in the office, some more than others, depending on the job that we have and the situation we are facing. So what do you think we're going to be dealing with in terms of just people socially and emotionally and mentally adjusting to this this new normal that we're about to see? I, I think it is going to be uh, a swing for a lot of people. You know, I've already gotten questions. Well, will I be able to do, you know, what I'm doing now, telework all the time? And the answer to that is no. That's called being POD'd at home. And that was not part of the discussions. We raised it. That was quickly shot down. Logistically, that's very, very tough to do due to locality pay and OPM regulations. So we're not able to do that. So at the, you know, at best, you're going to have to come in two days of pay period, and it could be more depending upon your position. So people are going to have to get used to that, coming back into the office, you know, finding their parking, um, you know, and it's also going to be folks who have had their vaccinations versus those who haven't. Um, you're going to have, if you have not had your vaccination, you're going to have to wear that mask all the time, whether you're walking around, whether you're sitting at your cubicle, uh, at your desk, whatever you're doing, that mask stays on unless you're eating or drinking, period. Um, for those that have had their vaccination and are through the uh, two-week period where they're fully vaccinated, they're not going to have any of those restrictions. So, you know, as a matter of health, I strongly urge everybody to get the uh, vaccine as soon as possible if you have not already. But also, as a matter of convenience, you're going to, you know, if, if you're not used to wearing a mask all the time, it's, it's a little bit different. 
And you're going to be having to do that if you're working in the office and you've not been vaccinated. That's very interesting. I just read an article in the New York Times today on July 8th, the day we're recording this. And this new Delta variant, uh, the the, uh, medical experts are very concerned about it in terms of like antibodies. People who have had COVID or have antibodies or just the regular immune system in your body, that this Delta variant uh, attacks that system pretty violently. But at least as of now, it looks like if you have uh, if you have uh, the vaccine, you are and it, which vaccine to, to, will tell you to the extent, but to at least a pretty large extent, all the vaccines available in the United States right now will protect you from this Delta variant and the other variants that are out there. So, uh, you know, I, as you have said, the National Union has said this. You have said this consistently that uh, getting the vaccine is in your interest, especially if you're coming back to the office for any time at all, uh, you are going to have different rules than people will have who have been uh, vaccinated. That's just that's just going to be yeah. the rule of the road right now. And if you're a field-going employee, you know, sooner rather than later, you're going to be having to go out and make field calls and work with the public, and you're going to want to be vaccinated. I mean, that's just a, a plain fact. Um, coming back from D.C., they are still under mask rules. So if you're in the hotel lobby or traveling through the hotel, you're wearing a mask. If you're going into an office, you're wearing a mask. If you're going into a restaurant and you're not eating or drinking, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. So they're still under very strict mask restrictions. And with this Delta variant, as you said, that is uh, Delta's not playing. Um, it's, it's very worrisome that there could be restrictions reimposed due to this variant. So that's why I strongly urge everybody. And I understand the hesitancy out there. Okay. That, you know, you're not sure, you know, that it's, that it's totally been approved because it was an emergency approval. You know, you're not sure what's in it. I understand all that. I get it. I understand the concerns. I am not saying that those are not legitimate. What I am saying, though, is is by every study and indication, um, including my own anecdotal evidence, uh, the COVID vaccine is safe. It appears to be very effective in the trials. And I would highly recommend that everyone uh, get this for their own sake and the sake of all those around them. Switching this a little bit, Duncan, um... It's been a lot of publicity about just how far behind IRS is in processing, particularly paper returns. Uh, the last I saw, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, I believe we're just now, uh, as, a, as an agency, finishing up the prior year. We're not, we still are working on the current year that's just been filed. There's a huge backlog of, of tax returns to be processed. And what happens is, you know, we as a service working in this system, we're all drowning and buried under the workload under some very difficult circumstances, uh, staffing and workload and, 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 and the, the pandemic and everything has impacted this. So, you know, some of us, you know, we're not the best of, of, of moods or, you know, our attitudes might not be 100% because it's been really tough for all of us working in IRS. But I think we all need to also understand, 
It's been pretty tough on the public, too. And if you have something that you're supposed to have from the government through your tax filing, and the filing has not been processed yet, some of these people are getting very angry. It doesn't matter whether you're on toll-free or in a taxpayer assistance center or you're dealing with the public in the taxpayer advocate's office or any other number of ways that uh, our employees deal with the public, revenue officer, revenue agent, you name it, all those all those job titles interact with the public. But, you know, and we want to help the public or we want to do our job, whatever it might be, be it collection, examining, or or the service we provide to the public. You know, we want to do that. That's why we work there. Everybody I've ever known that's worked for the service is dedicated to the work that they do. But there is a limit on how much abuse you should be willing to take. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, first off, yeah, we're we're just now finishing up the 2019 uh, filing season uh, documents that we you know were gotten during the pandemic last year. We're just now finishing those up. Woo! Which means we're really freaking behind, and that of course leads to upset and irate taxpayers, like you said, understandably so. But it doesn't matter whether you're on the phone, whether you're in a tech, whether you're in TAS, whether you're out in the field. Nobody, repeat, nobody has to deal with abuse from taxpayers. If you're being yelled at or cursed at or a combination thereof, you do not have to take that. And please do not take that. And this is for everybody in here in Indiana and across the country. Nobody here is signing up to take abuse any more than, you know, we already do working for the IRS, period. But you do not have to take it from the taxpayers. You tell them as calmly and politely as you can, please calm down. Please stop cursing, whatever the case is. If you don't, I'm going to have to disconnect this contact, disconnect the phone. I'm going to have to... Um, you know, walk away, whatever it is, you are absolutely positively entitled to do that. Nobody should be getting abused. I understand the taxpayer's frustration when they can't get through on the phones, when they can't make appointments, when they can't see somebody, their revenue officer or revenue agent and talk to them, you know, face to face. I get all that. I totally understand it, but they're shooting the messenger. This is not the frontline employee's fault. There really is not anybody's fault aside from the pandemic. But you should not, cannot, and will not have to take abuse. Please do not do that. If anybody across the country hearing this gets abuse, politely says stop, they don't stop, and you disconnect the contact in whatever form that is on the phone, in person, whatever and your manager wants to talk to you about that, you contact your union the first thing because we will, abs NTU across the country, will absolutely stand up and tell management that that is not right for them to call you out on that because nobody deserves to take abuse. And, and it should be stated that you as a representative of the government have a responsibility to be professional, but so do the people on the other end. So if you're doing your job the right way and professionally dealing with these folks, you know, I don't know about you, I, even before I was a manager, when I was a tax law specialist, I, 
if it was a tax law question, the managers would hand it to me, and I was the so-called manager calling somebody back. And uh, I dealt with angry people, and I, I sort of learned how you just have to sit and listen, give them a chance to talk and listen, and sometimes you can get somewhere. But if that doesn't work, and it does, you know, and sometimes they want to talk to a manager, hey, let the manager deal with it. That's what I, that's what I got paid for when I was a manager, and I dealt with plenty of angry people. And, well, and and now it's 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 much much worse than that even because when people start stating their names, people are screaming and cursing at them before they even can finish, you know, stating their name and their badge number. They're being yelled and cursed at just because the taxpayers are so frustrated because it takes them so long to get through. They haven't received the money that they uh, are entitled to or believe they're entitled to. And they're taking it out on people on the phones, people in TAS, people in tax. Um, I'm sure that ROs and RAs are dealing with this well at a different degree. But I mean, it's coming from the jump. It, employees are not even able to say, hello without hitting this. And so, you know, I'm sorry, but if somebody's going to be screaming, we shouldn't be rewarding bad behavior by continuing that contact if they're going to be abusive, period, yeah. end of story. Yeah, do not put up with abuse. I think we all know what abuse is. You be a professional. The other end's abusive. That's when you have to say, I'm sorry, this is no longer a productive conversation. Something I learned from my very first toll-free coach, wonderful lady named Glenna Goforth, who I'll never forget. Okay, Duncan, uh, time has uh, has now up. Uh, usually when I ask you for a final comment, you recommend people get the vaccine. We've already done that. <laughs> So uh, maybe just some reflections on your time. And you've always told me that being in D.C. was fun when you first started going. Now you've seen everything you want to see as a sightseeing tour. So once you're there, um, just some thoughts. And, and it's interesting that D.C. still requires people to wear masks in public places. Yeah, it's it's still very much um, a lot of places are still closed. A lot of restaurants have not reopened uh, due to the pandemic. And I'm sure, you know, trying to get uh, the labor force back to work sometimes where they're looking for higher paying jobs is tough as well. So it's, it's a difficult time. We're coming to the light of the end of the tunnel here, folks. We truly, truly are. It's, it's getting better. Um, we just need to keep pushing through and pushing forward, you know, and, and just remember, take some time for yourself. I am, I am one who will speak this and unfortunately is, as Larry well knows, I don't practice it well enough, but, you know, this is your job. This is not your life. Spend time with your family and friends. Take the time off you need to recharge. You know, that's what your leave is for. Use it in that way. Enjoy life while you can. It's, you know, the warm weather. Have some enjoyment. Have some fun. Get your batteries recharged. I'm going to I'm going to replay I'm going to replay this uh, when I talk to you next, Duncan, so. <laughs> <laughs> to see if you practice what you're preaching. And actually, I think you're doing better than you have. But uh, you need some time off as well, my friend. I, I preach that all the time. We all need that, except me, of course. I'm retired, so what can I say? <laughs> and you're that, busier than ever. <laughs> I stay busy, but hey, you know it keeps the mind working. I, I st kind of work on my own schedule, so uh, it's not so bad. Duncan Giles, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, all of uh, your comments. Well, if all goes well, we'll be back again next week. So, 
That's it for another edition of the Chapter 49 podcast. And uh, if you like our podcast and listen on a platform such as iTunes or some of the others, I would ask you to please take a moment and just rate our podcast and leave a comment if, if you wouldn't mind. We would always like to see that. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a communications volunteer here at Chapter 49. Our chapter president, Duncan Giles, and all of us here at Chapter 49, thank you for listening. So please be safe and be kind. <music>